When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, hello there, and welcome to The Tint, a podcast dedicated to lovers of the natural botanical style aquariums and pretty much any type of aquarium that's a little bit outside the bounds of the conventional. I'm Scott Fellman, your host, provocateur, aquatic enthusiast, and always a fish geek. Welcome to The Tint. Today, I want to address what I call a most persistent myth. Now, One of the things I love most about this whole Blackwater botanical style aquarium genre is that even though hobbyists have been playing with them for decades, there's really been virtually no discussion or serious analysis of the techniques, the characteristics, and the processes involved in creating and maintaining them short of throw some peat moss in your filter, 1960s to 1980s, or toss in five catapa leaves for every 10 gallons of water. That's kind of the 1990s to today. I mean, sure, in all fairness, there have been some articles and from time to time a discussion about blackwater aquariums, but no real serious, consistent discussions about them. And something as broad-reaching in the aquarium hobby, uh, limited discussions on a topic generally leads to three possible things happening in my uh, experience. Number one, assumptions and long-held beliefs and misconceptions are totally perpetuated and like regurgitated often by those who have little, if any, experience with the subject. Number two, only the bad experiences, the warnings, and the negative impacts and aspects of the topic are given play among hobbyists. So myths, if you will, become a major part of the whole narrative there. Number three, the topic becomes this arcane sideshow specialty, garnering eh, little interest while maintaining sort of an aura of mystery and, you know, those persistent assertions that it's challenging or foolhardy to work with these. And I think that's what happened with Blackwater Aquariums. In fact, for sure, I I believe that's what happened. Now, we've covered this before a few times, but for some reason, the myth persists that adding catapa leaves and pods or other botanicals will create instant nature-like conditions in your hard alkaline city tap water. It's a myth. Yeah, it's a myth. Oh, now sure, tannins and humic substances are imparted to water, even hard alkaline water when you steep botanicals in, in them, even in brackish water. So yeah, it looks all dark and tinted, and even though the pH and hardness might be quite high, that's a different subject for a different time, but you get the idea. Looks are only just that, looks. We can't get too caught up in the superficial aspects of tinted water and overlook the contributing factors and their function. So why can you have dark, rich-looking water and still be hard and alkaline? Well, to understand why, uh, we kind of need to refamiliarize ourselves with the concept of carbonate hardness. I know, I hear the groans. Now, before we get too far, I'm going to dispense with the obligatory disclosure confessional that my knowledge of water chemistry is quite basic. And I'm not proffering that anything discussed here is the last word on the subject. It's an explanation of some facts and ideas based on my limited college chemistry and an understanding of these things from being a practicing aquarist. I admit at a certain point in the discussion about this stuff with really knowledgeable people, 
my eyes start glazing over. There are plenty of you out there who can just school me on this stuff. And I encourage your input on these more esoteric yet very important aspects of the hobby. We'll all benefit from them. Anyway, back to that bit on carbonate hardness. Now, this is one of those terms along with general hardness, GH, that we see bandied about all over the internet and in books and in hobby discussions. And it's super confusing to me as there's multiple ways of determining hardness of water in general. But for us, it's for aquarium purposes. Now, hardness is essentially a measure of the total concentration of specific minerals dissolved in the water. That includes calcium and magnesium, as well as other minerals like potassium and sodium. Now, it's often said that the concentration of these minerals in a given quantity of water contribute to the hardness. Now, there's a few ways of measuring this. As a reef hobbyist of decades, I was long ago indoctrinated to use KH from the German word carbonate uh, to measure the carbonate and bicarbonate ions of a given aquatic system, which function as buffers and keep the pH from dropping. And KH is a component of GH to make matters more confusing. And KH can never be higher than the general hardness of the water because of this fact. And a lot of test kits will measure both, as if a guy like myself needs more confusion in his life. So really, the easiest way to understand this is to read it. Me talking about it is going to confuse the heck out of you. And the easiest way to make hard water soft for us fish geeks is to make an investment in a reverse osmosis deionization or RODI unit. This gives you water with little to no general hardness, and it sets the stage for more easily reducing the pH by utilizing botanicals and materials like that. In general, it's fairly safe, gulp, to state that soft water is usually acidic and hard water is usually alkaline. And of course, that's where the fun and the confusion begins. A lot of people ask about utilizing leaves and botanicals to lower the pH in their aquariums. It's a good question, and it's one worth addressing. And as you're no doubt aware by now, many of these natural materials release substances into the water, such as tannins and humic acids, which can acidify it if the water has a low enough KH. I'm going to say it one more time. Most botanicals won't do much to significantly reduce the pH if you start with hard alkaline water, as the KH will prevent the acids released by these materials from reducing the pH. As many of you know, it's entirely possible to have darkly tinted water that's hard and alkaline. Now, although this, the humic substances and the tannins imparted by the botanicals are present in the water with those characteristics, it's a big difference between the water being a certain visual color and it being soft and acidic. I get a bit frustrated with the idea of commercial black water extracts creating a sort of instant Amazon type of water or whatever. Now, it's not that these are bad products. I just get frustrated because although these products definitely work at tinting the water and possibly even lowering the pH under circumstances outlined above, you know, water with little to no carbonate hardness, for the most part, they tend to perpetuate this myth that you can just add a bit of this or a pinch of that to your tap water and you'll have a black water aquarium that'll make your neon tetra spawn or whatever. If it were that easy, we'd all been keeping black water tanks and spawning rummy noses decades ago, right? Of course, there's way more to it than that. Think about this. Blackwater environments are a result of many factors, ranging from the geology of the surrounding soils to the composition of the materials that accumulate in the streams and rivers or the inundated forest floors that I'm obsessed with. Now, our practice of utilizing botanicals to achieve a more dynamic blackwater environment is not exactly an exact science. Rather, it's sort of an art form, a nuance, if you will. 
and it has its own set of guidelines, effects, and limitations. So creating a Blackwater botanical-style aquarium is not even as easy as just tossing in some seed pods and leaves into a tank filled with RODI water either. Rather, it's sort of an amalgamation of a number of different practices. You need to consider the overall aquatic environment that you're contemplating. You have to think about things like the influence of rocks, substrate, etc., etc. You need to study how these truly dynamic habitats exist in nature beyond their you know, dramatic and alluring appearance. If it was only so easy, right? On the other hand, the fact that you need to learn a few things and understand the challenges and limitations imposed by nature in order to achieve the desired conditions tells us that this is much more as much of an art as it is a science. So it's filled with nuance and observation and a certain amount of, you know, going with your gut. And that's the beauty of the Blackwater Botanical Style Aquarium stuff. If it were just about adding a certain amount of this or that to our tanks and calling it a day, we'd see Blackwater Aquariums in every home that has fish. We still might get there. Over the long haul, we might actually figure out real good formulas for conditioning water to get those effects with minimal effort. It's going to happen at some point. However, we're going to get there by experimenting, observing, and sharing our experiences with our fellow fish geeks, not by looking for shortcuts or hacks. We'll get there by good old-fashioned work and by dispelling myths, assumptions, and misconceptions with facts and with a body of work that informs, inspires, and excites other aquarists. What could be more fun than that? Stay curious about this stuff. Stay excited. Stay interested. Stay bold. And stay diligent. And above all, stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman. Thanks for stopping by.